WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Steelers camp is underway in earnest. Drills are going on as we speak. Uh, the coach Tom, when he says he's going to practice as often as the rules permit, I don't know why he would approach it any other way. Anyway, that means practicing 11 times in the first 12 days of camp. Uh, let's see who wins the job at free safety. Going to talk about that with Pursuta at the bottom of the hour. They're not crazy about Sean Davis as they used to be, but I think he's going to start. I also think Bostic is going to beat out Matikavich at inside backer. Bostic's a journeyman, but I can't imagine Dirty Red starting in the NFL. He just isn't good enough. They need to build depth to tackle with Hubbard gone and Hawkins hurt. That's where Okorafor has to step up, and he's only a rookie. Bryce Harris is a tackle. Well, rather, was a tackle. He flunked the conditioning test and got cut today. The Steelers need better from Artie Burns at corner. We need to watch how Sutton does as a utility man. Quarterback safety, nickel and dime. We've got to watch how Terrell Edmonds does. I, I think he's going to be in the mix as a hybrid guy. To what effect, I, I don't know. Eli Rogers got brought back to put heat on the rookie receiver, James Washington. I'm keeping an eye on Juju. Juju backsliding, that's not out of the question. So that's the meaningful stuff. Everybody's going to be watching Connor and Ridley, and I get that. Same thing with Mason Rudolph. But what Connor and Ridley and Rudolph do only matters if somebody gets hurt. And if that guy gets hurt, it won't matter how those guys do. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. So those are the legitimate issues of Steeler training camp, cutting through the fluff a bit. And then there's the scheme stuff, the inside backer and safety mumbo-jumbo, the the hybrid talk. And, of course, nobody of consequence could get hurt, not in camp or all year, because, as Coach Kyer said, it's a fine line. Mostly, Steelers training camp is very predictable, but certain fractions of it, as we just talked about, certain fractions will be very interesting. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but today I'm kind of trying out a a new delivery, a more subdued delivery. Uh, A, my throat has been hurting by all the yelling, all the emphasis I put on, uh, on certain phrases and words, and... I'm just burnt out, really burnt out on doing this, really burnt out on sports, uh, more so. So I got tomorrow off. I'm on my way to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, to see Liverpool versus Man United at the big house. That'll be uh, quite an experience. Sold out. I uh, pulled a veteran move. The day I found out the game was scheduled, I got a hotel right across the street from the big house because I don't want to deal with parking, I don't want to deal with getting in, getting out. So I've made it as simple as I can, even though this hotel is charging out the wazoo for rooms because of the situation. But, hey, they're in business to do business. Then on Sunday, I'll be in Chicago to see Paul Rogers, Jeff Beck, and Ann Wilson. 
Paul Rogers, of course, the singer for Free, Bad Company, and The Firm. Uh, Going to stay an extra day Monday to kibitz with a few friends of mine that live in Chicago. Then I'm back next week for four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then to fabulous Las Vegas for a week to see Whitesnake one more time as a headliner at the Red Rocks Casino. And uh, hopefully by the end of that vacation, I'll be over the burnout. But I am very much burnout on on radio and sports. Uh, like I said, very, very much so sports. Uh, the Monday morning quarterback column, actually it's a webpage, offshoot of sportsillustrated.com, been taken over after Peter King's departure by Albert Breer, among others. Interesting quote from the Rams general manager, Les Snead, about the deal they gave Todd Gurley, the running back, and how it relates to Le'Veon Bell. Quote, because we're not the Steelers and we're not Le'Veon Bell, you truly don't know what was offered there. But that situation did have an effect because if Bell had gotten something done, that would be the standard. Since he didn't, it was up to us to blaze the new standard, unquote. Blaze kind of a fitting term when you're talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell, twice suspended for pot. So unless I am misreading between the lines when it comes to what Snead said, it sounds like they were worried a bit that Bell would get paid more than they were willing to offer Gurley. And then they would feel responsible to pay Gurley as much as Bell was being paid. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think Bell's going to get what Bell's going to get from a bad team. And I think in the long run, he will regret having left the Steelers to go to, say, the Jets and make money but not have nearly the same career. And I think Bell's closer to the end of his prime than he is the middle of his prime anyway. Uh, Breer also answered an email about the possibility of the Steelers trading Bell. The uh, the reader who wrote in called it a Kawhi Leonard scenario. And Breer said, quote, I'd be stunned. First of all, the Steelers are very much in win-now mode. Ben Roethlisberger is 36. Antonio Brown is 30. And four of their starting offensive linemen are 29 or older with a fifth at 28. After the 2012-13 dip, Pittsburgh has made the playoffs four straight years and is 45-19 and 19 over that time. Yet it's been eight years since the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, so the time is now. And then Breer adds, the other thing is, I'm not sure what kind of return they could get for Bell right now. If you're another team, you by rule can't give him an extension. So you're signing up for one year of Bell and the prospect of trying to keep him before he hits the market without having the leverage of the franchise tag. So yeah, Bell will be a stealer this year, unquote. Uh, in just a moment, going to talk about a few things Ben Roethlisberger had to say today. And I'll talk uh, more about a subject I brought up yesterday, which is, I think, over-analysis of sports is paralyzing our enjoyment thereof. And, of course, we got Mike Pursuit at the bottom of the hour to talk Steelers training camp. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? In and out like the psychotic version of the Hokey Pokey. Mark, you are a super genius. I know. The X at 105.9.
Curious to hear what you think of uh, Aaron Donald holding out in Los Angeles. Uh, he's told people he won't play another Don for the Rams unless they redo his contract. If he sits out the season, he still owes the Rams the season, so his plan is not without flaw. But uh, the Rams were 11-5 and last year. Pretty good team. They won their division. Without Aaron Donald, they have no chance of winning the Super Bowl, making the Super Bowl. Probably not even any chance of winning a playoff game. He's their catalyst. I understand how good Gurley is. They went out and got Sue, paid him pretty big money, gave Brandon Cooks a long-term deal. Donald sucking hind, you know what, with the Rams. And he's not happy, and I don't blame him. And I don't blame any player who outperforms his contract and holds out because contracts aren't guaranteed. Free agency isn't free because of the franchise tag. If an individual player battles where his union would not, I respect it. I respect what Le'Veon Bell is doing too. But uh, I still think Bell should have taken the Steelers' most recent offer, which was five years, $70 million, $33 million paid over the first two seasons. Here's something nobody's really mentioned regarding uh, Bell. He's going to get marginally more than the Steelers offered when he hits free agency in 2019. But what if he has a rotten year or blows out his knee? The minuscule gain in salary, I'm not sure it's worth the risk he's taking. But I respect Donald for holding out. I respect Le'Veon Bell, too. It's just that uh, if I'm Bell, I would have taken that five-year deal that the Steelers put on the table. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I was on Stan's show today, and he agreed with my notion of paralysis by analysis, uh, that fans get too caught up in minutia and metrics and fancy stats and we forget to enjoy the sport. With baseball, why do you need to know launch angle? Why do you need to know exit velocity? What exactly does that tell you that matters to you as a fan? All that matters is where the ball lands, whether it's in the stands or the gap or in a defensive player's glove. The metrics are good for the teams, but maybe not for the fans. Anyway... Uh, you can break baseball down to four stats. Two for hitters and two for pitchers, just four stats overall. Hitters, it's on-base percentage because the main goal when you go to the plate is to get on base. Slugging percentage, the more bases, the better. And then for pitchers, ERA, because the goal is to not let up runs. And then whip, because the lesser goal is to not let up walks or hits. Uh, staying with baseball, I don't like how certain things have been eliminated from baseball. No one ever bunts now. Nobody can bunt. No one can beat the shift by going the opposite way. Uh, certain parts of the game have disappeared due to statistical risk. And because players have lost sight of fundamentals, perhaps because of concentration on things like launch angle. Uh, nobody can hit and run either. Dick Grote, when he played for the Pirates, best hit and run guy ever. 
He'd delay his swing until he saw which infielder was breaking to cover the bag on what looked to be a steal attempt, then slap it right through the hole, vacated. Stuff like that is the art of the game. Now everything's a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. 412-333-9933 is the number to call. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mike Pursuta. He's at Steelers Camp in Latrobe. This is the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. And his drink, smoked pot, figured if he showed up at rehab wrecked, it gave him a better shot at getting most improved. The X at 105.9. Let's welcome now live from Steelers training camp in Latrobe. You hear him on the DVE morning show. He is Mike Pursuta. Mike, let's talk about uh, one of the very few jobs that appears to be up for grabs at Steelers training camp. Is there any way Sean Davis doesn't start at free safety? And why have the Steelers seemed to sour on him just a bit? You know, I I think he wins the job, but I think it's a short leash. I think that goes pretty much for everybody in the secondary. Uh, I think they have some things they want to try here at camp and in the preseason games. I think we're going to a lot of see. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, six DBs, maybe some seven DBs. Uh, how different guys react to playing multiple roles uh, is probably going to determine who is on the field and uh, how often and who is not. Uh, in terms of Davis, I don't, I don't know if soured is the word or there's a, a maybe more of a concern to get a center fielder that, that can actually play center field and you know turn those home runs into singles and doubles if you, if you get my drift. Uh, read the play and come up and stop those little short passes or runs that break open. Keep that stuff to 10 and 15-yard gains instead of 40-yard gains. Now, I know Cam Sutton hasn't yet taken any snaps at safety, but they're certainly considering that move. Are they going to switch him to safety because they like him at safety, they don't like the other safeties, or because they don't like Sutton at cornerback? You know, I think at this point it's probably uh, if he plays, and I expect he'll be involved um, somehow, some way. I think it's because they feel like he's one of their seven best DBs. And I think in, in passing situations where they're relatively sure the other team's going to throw it, I, I think they're pretty convinced that their best six or seven DBs are better than their inside linebackers. Now, will Terrell Edmonds be in the mix at safety, uh, the first-round pick who just signed? Yeah, he'll be in the mix for sure. Uh, do you want to call? He's going to go on the roster as a safety. He'll probably be playing a linebacker-type position. Uh, call him what you want. I think uh, if not in base, He'll be out there in every sub package. That's that's my suspicion, my hunch, my guess. And I don't think they're going to be in base defense very often. Maybe first down. Is that why they drafted Edmonds? Because he kind of fits that hybrid mold. Yeah, it's it's what they wanted. I think you know a lot of people were aghast when they didn't take a linebacker, but they took a guy who's going to do the linebacker type things they need somebody to do in the passing game. So, you know, if he doesn't play on first down, if the big guys up front do their job, uh, somebody tries to run on them and it's second and eight and they go sub the rest of the way in a series, uh, that I think is a potential step in the right direction. Do the Steelers need better from Artie Burns at cornerback, and and how much better? In what ways does Artie need to improve? They need much better from him and they need much better from Sean Davis. Uh, those two guys, you know, they're high picks. 
they've played a lot already. They're going into their third year, so they've been around enough now to know what to do and what not and all that stuff. Uh, they got to be more consistent. Uh, they they got to be in the right spot. Uh, they got to make plays when there are plays to be made. I'll give you two examples. Uh, everybody remembers the the Jesse James play in the New England game, but you might recall that there was an interception that Sean Davis didn't make. That was a deflected ball, so there's a degree of difficulty involved. But that's a play you got to make. Turnovers are game changing kind of plays. When you get your hands on it, you got to catch it. They've been emphasizing that stuff all spring. And then if you recall the Jacksonville game, the deep ball to Hearns after they had closed within seven. Artie Burns lines up in press coverage, doesn't put his hands on the guy, and then runs down the field as if he thinks he has help in center field. There was none there. Probably they weren't on the same page there, but even if he's not getting the help he thought he had coming, he never reacted to the ball. And Dan Fouts made a point of emphasizing that on the game progress. You know, Burns has no idea where the ball is, and the receiver did, and he went up and got it. Uh, Time for both of those guys to be uh, first and second round picks, respectively. Now, turning the inside backer, and I think there's mostly, like you say, only going to be one of those on the field at a given time, but is there any way Matikavich starts ahead of Bostic in the base D, like the depth chart currently says? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, it's it's John Bostic, not uh, Brian Urlacher, right? <laughs> I mean, guys bounced around the leg. I think the Steelers are his 15. Uh, you know, I don't recall him being a splash player when the Steelers played the Colts last year. And Matikavich, uh, the people around here will tell you, and I don't necessarily buy this, but uh, every time the Ryan Shazier injury comes up, somebody will say, yeah, and don't forget we lost Matikavich in the same game, and he can only play special teams the rest of the year because of a cranky shoulder. Um, but, you know, sometimes guys overachieve, and he's a guy who's a tremendously productive college player, and he's all uh, want to and get after it, and he has all the intangibles. And, and he has been making decent progress. Uh, maybe he's a Jerry Olsowski type, and if he finds himself in there, he's going to find a way to make plays. With Hubbard gone and Hawkins hurt, what's the depth look like at tackle? It looks to me like they're one injury away from being in a lot of trouble. Uh, he's got some sharp eyesight, brother. Uh, you know, to be determined, uh, the guy they drafted out of Western Michigan, Okafor, uh, I think is your presumptive guy. At least that's the way some people see it. Uh, that's a lot to ask of a rookie to be the swing tackle, uh, particularly a guy who uh, played at uh, – Western Michigan and not uh, Alabama or USC. Now, Western Michigan has been pretty good of late, but uh, shoots Okafor, um, that's, a, that's a, a potential big deal because when Hubbard went in, you felt good about everything. Uh, everybody stayed relaxed. Uh, you could still run all your stuff because you knew what he could do and what he could handle. And uh, Okafor, if he gets in there, it's going to be trial by fire, Mark. That's... Uh, you know, that's probably an area that a lot of people aren't talking about that might wind up being just critical. We're talking to Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show. He is live at Latrobe, the site of Steelers training camp. Uh, is there any way James Washington, the rookie, isn't the number three receiver? And you think they brought back Eli Rogers to maybe light a spark under Washington in his first training camp? Uh, no, I don't, to the latter, no. I just think they, they look at Eli, Eli Rogers as the guy who has had some production here and has made some plays. Uh, the quarterback likes him. Uh, slot receiver is not uh, overflowing with an abundance of talent. I think, I think Washington will be fine. 
but uh, I also think uh, they're not going to get entirely away from the Todd Haley method of playing receivers. You know, when Haley was here, it wasn't you two guys are the starters and then you're the number three and you're the number four and so on. They had different groups uh, that they used at different times to try to accomplish different things. Uh, I'll say this about Eli Rogers. Uh, not too many guys in the Pittsburgh uniforms bathed themselves in glory in that Jacksonville playoff loss. That was a, a disaster. But uh, they threw the ball to Eli Rogers five times and he caught every one of them. How do Connor and Ridley feel about competing for a job they can't win and both having to work real hard, a lot of reps, a lot of snaps, to not win it? Uh, that's kind of an odd scenario, isn't it? It is. Uh, I haven't talked to either guy about that, but I'll tell you what, somebody's going to be that guy next year. So, you know, get in line or uh, get left behind, right? Well, do they see Connor or Ridley as the potential number one back after Bell leaves? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, Ridley's got a little more uh, age and, uh, you know, tread worn off the tires, but uh, he's also got a track record of success in the league. He's got some nice numbers. Uh, Connor had a lot of people talking uh, about his game in the spring. Last year was kind of lost for him. He, uh, he he wasn't healthy much in the in the training camp in the preseason. Uh, didn't play a ton. Seemed to do okay when he did play. Protection's an issue with him. At least it was a year ago. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a running back, the first thing you got to do is not get the quarterback killed in this offense. Um, it's a big camp for him. I think to kind of establish uh, what type of player he's going to be uh, as his career evolves, either a, a guy who's going to play a lot or just kind of that change of pace, give the other guy a rest type of back. What did Gurley's contract do for Bell in terms of what he gets when he becomes a free agent? And what did it do to Bell in terms of his resolve uh, to not report till the last minute, if then? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to talk to Lady on about that. Um Todd Gurley's real good. Le'Veon Bell's real good. Um, you know, the Rams uh, don't have Antonio Brown. They don't have Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they do have Aaron Donald. They're having trouble paying him. Uh, the problem in the salary cap league is you can't pay everybody the top salary. Uh, and I, I just think the way the Steelers have this figured, uh, they went, I think, beyond what they should have been willing to pay a running back. And it didn't work. Uh, Marquise Pouncey talked a little bit about Le'Veon Bell yesterday, uh, you, you know, in terms of how he's reacting to all this. Pouncey said that even if they're not able to get a long-term deal worked out, Bell's going to have to play well to get the deal from somebody else. So uh, I don't think there's a lot of concern here about how Bell will play when he gets here, uh, but I also don't think there's a lot of optimism that uh, this isn't anything but Le'Veon Bell's last year with the Steelers. The Steelers kind of made a non-statement about the NFL's anthem policy. How will all that resolve itself with the Steelers? And who's going to make the decision when the time comes, if indeed the NFL hasn't yet made a clear-cut one? Yeah, I, you know, most recently uh, they went through what they went through in Chicago last year, and then from that point, Marquis Tossi said, we're standing for the national anthem period, and everybody fell in line behind him, and that was that. That's always been the case here. Uh, I think that's the way they want it to be here. I think the guys here have enough respect for the organization uh, to to make uh, make that policy. But I don't know where the league's going with this. I, I scratch my head as to why it's, it's such a big deal. 
you know, I'm a I'm a big believer in free speech and your right to protest and the democratic process and all that, but uh, I don't think just before a football game starts is necessarily the time to execute that right. On the other hand, I don't know why the NFL would want to continue to open this can of worms and and uh, get bogged down in, in this uh, silliness, really. Uh, there are more important issues, I think, uh, than, than that. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe the Players Association, now that they're going to be included in the process, maybe that's all they wanted. Uh, and they'll be willing to sign off on what the league wants them to. But uh, I just hope it goes away quickly, Mark. Really, I, I you know I've been going to NFL games for a long time. I do this stuff for a living. It's a it's a big part of my work life and therefore my life. And the last thing I'm thinking about when I go to the stadium is what's going to happen during the national anthem. And it's the last thing I want to think about, quite frankly. Well, if they don't resolve this decisively, that'll be the first thing you think about when you head to the stadium in Cleveland on Week One. But I want to backtrack to something you just said. Who are the Steelers' leaders? I wonder about that because when you listen to the players talk and you just referred to him, the guy who seems to lead the most is Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, I would I would uh, concur. I think Cam Hayward is a leader. I think uh, Ben, in his own way, is a leader. Um, I, this is going to sound really stupid, but I think Antonio Brown is a leader in terms of how hard he works and uh, you know what he does on the field. He's probably 180 degrees from that, what he does off the field. But, uh, man, if you're out here uh, at St. Vincent and you're feeling tired, you, you look over to your right or left, you see Antonio Brown still going 100 miles an hour. Maybe that uh, gives you a little motivation to pick it up. Um, well, I give Ponce a lot of credit because I thought he was immature and did some dumb things uh, in his salad days with the Steelers, but he's really come around. And I put Marcus Gilbert in that category, too. Yeah, you know, sometimes guys grow into the job and uh, they have to do so under a microscope and all that. I'm not making excuses for him. But, yeah, I think he, he's definitely the kind of guy that uh, has an idea about how things should be done, and I think he has enough uh, sway as a player and uh, just his physical presence. He's kind of an intimidating guy. I don't, I don't think too many guys want to mess with Marquise Pouncey, that's for sure. I saw a couple quotes, uh, but how did the Steelers feel about what James Harrison said and how much of what Harrison said is true? You know, that's, a, that's interesting. That, that what they said publicly, Pouncey defended Mike Tomlin. He's a staunch defender of Mike Tomlin. I actually talked to Ben Roethlisberger about that today, and he said there are no glaring issues uh, regarding discipline, focus, that type of stuff. He said he, he, probably, he, he thinks probably all teams have uh, some degree of an issue with it. Uh, here's my take on it, Mark. Um, I don't think they've necessarily lost games because they are undisciplined or uh, unfocused or because guys are late to meetings. But considering I haven't been in a Super Bowl in a long time, I'd certainly try to tighten it up a little bit just to see if that works. Um, well, yeah, I, I talked about that uh, earlier. I'm not outraged by A.B. with the helicopter or Vince Williams doing Stone Cold Steve Austin. But the Patriots don't do stuff like that, so it does bear wondering if trying it a quieter way might not pay off. Yeah, and I, and I would say that even, you know, leaving the Patriots out of it, uh, the Steelers did not win the Super Bowl last year. They did not get to play the, the, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game last year. I think I was on with you, uh, you know, a couple months ago or whenever it was, and we talked about the defensive staff changes. I said it would, be, it would have been folly 
not to change that defensive coaching staff after that just collapse against Jacksonville. You can't continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. Uh, another thing Ben told me today is you got to learn from mistakes. Why did we get beat? Uh, he said, you know, was it a lack of effort? Was it a lack of talent? Was it a lack of understanding? And he also threw in, was it a lack of discipline? So I think, you know, I, I don't think all uh, Mike Tomlin needs to do is, uh, you know, bring out the paddle and uh, whack a few behinds. But, uh, you know, maybe button it up a little tighter and see if that doesn't help you get a little bit better. That, that would be my theory or suggestion. And the helicopter thing is uh, 180 degrees from that. But, uh, you know, that's your all-pro receiver. He's one of the best players in the game. Uh, so, you, you know, with the old Springsteen line, you got to learn to live with what you can't rise above. Uh, here's the last question, and it's a big one. Have you been to Sharky's yet? Yes, I have. I, uh, I got out here Tuesday afternoon, uh, did a show on Steelers.com, and then I was at Sharky's shortly thereafter. Well, uh, what's the turnout like? Is is the media everywhere? Is it lousy with Pittsburgh football media? No, it is not. The Pittsburgh media is changing. It's becoming softer and weaker uh, and less inclined to engage in such activities, but there are still some stalwarts. Uh, we're playing the game the old school way, Mark. Maybe the guys who get paid by the word just can't afford it. <laughs> that might be it. Uh, Triv, great stuff. Enjoy the trope. We'll talk real soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's Mike Pursuta. Check out his fine work on the DVE Morning Show. Uh, some interesting stuff said there by Triv. Up. I don't know why the Steelers can't try to be quieter because noisy hasn't worked, but that... That's not really a big issue. Tackle. If a guy gets hurt, that could be a big issue. We'll talk about that in just a bit here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. All hill thin, all hill Mark Madden. I think that says a lot about my integrity. I love it. I think it's great. Ah, boom, baby. The X at 105.9. Here's an interesting note. Uh, when the Steelers open the NFL season, at Cleveland, week one, the analyst on CBS will be former Steelers offensive coordinator Bruce Arians. So for that game, week one at Cleveland, Bruce Arians will be on hand. Todd Haley will be on hand as the Browns offensive coordinator. And, of course, uh, Randy Fickner will be there as the Steelers' new offensive coordinator. That's quite a threesome. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, I have a poll up on Twitter. Over under, 23K, more or less, how many people will be at the Pirates game tonight? I'm going to go less. Uh, it's, a, it's a great number, too. That was a tough decision, but I'm going to go a little bit less than that just because people plan a lot of that stuff out weeks in advance, and they probably didn't see that 11-win streak uh, coming, so they're not going to be ready to get to the tickets but, tonight. But, but, but what's that say? about lack of interest after they've won 13 out of 15. Because I know people plan in advance, but it's not like they won all 13 games yesterday. This streak has been building for two weeks. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, And, again, I may be wrong on that. Look at the traffic out on the Parkway West right now coming into town. Um, So maybe a big walk-up, as they say in the biz. But, Mark, I think that so many things done over the years to really, really – get Pirate fans mad. I don't know if that gets all made up with just one win streak like they had now. So um, maybe if they continue it at home 
and it moves into next week, and you see what the Pirates do before the trade deadline. Bob, Bob, think about what you're saying. What you're telling me is that basically a two-week winning streak isn't enough to get fans re-energized, that it's going to take a three-week hot streak. And really, how often does any team in baseball have a have a three-week hot streak? What, do you want them to win five out of seven in the next week before people believe? I just don't think they're going to believe. And I think a lot of Pirate fans who position their support of the team as us versus them, I'll be real blunt. I think they're just blowhards who don't go no matter what. They just like to bitch and moan on social media. Then let me clarify. Two weeks is not enough. Two weeks and a move by management coming up in the next five days, I think that that will be enough. A lot of people right now, Mark, are hedging what they're going to do with their Pirates fandom for the rest of the season based on what management does now that they are this close and you've got the trade deadline next week. I think that's fair. I do agree that whatever they do or don't do at the trade deadline will impact fan interest the rest of the season. Or maybe what you said earlier is the case. Maybe they're just buried so deep when it comes to how they've gone downhill since 2015 to 98 wins, with much of it being triggered by what the club chose to do, not what it had to do. Maybe there's they're just caught in the quicksand and there's no digging their way out. Uh, uh, how about the guy, Bob, who flunked the run test, got caught today? <laughs> How do you flunk the run test unless you're really injured and I haven't seen No, no, a... you're, you're out of shape. But Tomlin let a lot of guys, you know, not take the run test. Veterans, uh, I guess he's playing favorites right away, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's proof is in the pudding right there. Well, actually, Bob, I am a believer that if there's a run test, everybody should take it. I agree with you up to the point of maybe somebody injured or something. Um and maybe not even to the extent that they're injured that they have to start the season on the pup list. Maybe there are some nagging injuries. Maybe there's something that they're working on right now. Maybe the trainer gives them an excuse and uh, Coach Tomlin just goes If there's a it. run test and you can run, you should take it. Are you surprised, though, that they cut him at that position? Yeah. Because that position is... <laughs> I mean, they're well, they like, some they like They like Chooks, the rookie. Yeah. But he's only one guy. Exactly. If a tackle gets hurt, it will be a disaster. And thanks to Hubbard and inside the interior, thanks to Finney at Garden Center, that's not something they've had to worry about. Alas, Bryce Harris, we hardly knew you. Up next, we'll talk more about the Bucko attendance tonight. Bucks and Mets, you going? If not, why not? 412 333 WXDX.